Very good evening and welcome to the Greater Western Queensland Racing News Podcast for this evening, Tuesday the 14th of September. Yes, we're back. We've had a little break. Uh, Andrew Watts here with you. Maxi Tanks in the studio, fresh off a little Townsville ex- escapade. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Good. Refreshed. Ready. So the idea of this break originally was uh, we were going to go into hibernation with the river circuit, but of course, no river circuit. Uh, Brooke Richardson uh, joins us. Good evening, Brookie. Hello. How's your uh, last couple of weeks been? Yeah, no, it's it's been pretty good, I must say. Um, it's a bit of a shame that uh, we're not travelling and we're not on the river circuit, but at the same time, it's good to head to some meetings that are closer to home and see some of the race clubs um, step up, and they've all done a good job at providing that extra meeting compared to what they'd normally have. So, yeah, it's been good fun. There's been some interesting statistics out of these meetings. I don't want to get too bogged down on it, but Central West really cashed in, so to speak. I know they lost the three meetings, um, you know, by the by, but when you look at the horses that fulfil the spots in the River Circuit, um, Central West, I mean, they did pretty well to get three big meetings, including that huge tab day at Barky. And, uh, if you, I mean, everyone can do their own maths. If you go back and work out, the percentage in prize money that has stayed in the Central West. I mean, no one should be complaining. No, I think we're uh, pretty fortunate out here. And uh, as a result, we've obviously seen some extremely competitive racing across the board over the uh, last few weeks. And, I mean, we've already seen the format of the Barky tab meeting, um, you know, pretty ripe for. We've seen some winners come out of that this weekend. So uh, yeah, I think we've uh, been pretty lucky. And uh, I suppose when you put that prize money in comparison, um even more i suppose uh you know lucky that you don't have to take into account of the travel and the you know staying away from the stable and obviously yeah. fuel and and all that extra thing the extra cleaning from all the dust from birdsville and Baduria yeah. and batuta but yeah it's it's uh, certainly been pretty lucky do a couple of the other regions feel a little bit hard done by brook and i speak of um, the southwest, obviously, Surat just with the one extra race, not meeting, and uh, Cloncurry with just one extra race added to their program. Yeah, look, I, I think um, w- with anything in racing, there's always there's probably going to be mixed opinions, and maybe there should have been a meeting here or there should have been a meeting there. But I think at the end of the day, you know, r- Racing Queensland made the final call, and these clubs. Um, took on board the offers that were there and, and you're mad not to jump at an offer like that. So, yeah, I don't think you can get read too much into it. I think, um, yeah, we've been pretty lucky and it is a little bit unfortunate that some of the other clubs may have missed out that would have liked to have been included. But, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, um, what's done is done and, and there's always a decision to be made higher up. So, yeah, it's pretty hard to comment on, I guess. Le- racing uh, return to the curry. They've uh, been out of uh, action for a little while before they ramp up for their last three meetings of the year. The open sprint over 1,200 metres saw Tango Rain uh, with a big impost of 67.5 kilos go around at $1.75. Here's the last 400. 400 metres and Tango Rain still travels well. So too does Torchbearer. They're two in front of Capset who gets off their heels. Down the outside, Mr Tindler. Night attire but Torchbearer. He goes up on the outside of Tango Rain who's flat to the boards. Now Capset chimes in but it's Torchbearer at the 100. Torchbearer storms clear of Tango Rain who tries hard but Torchbearer in a can of wins by a length and a half over Tango Rain. Caps at third, six away to Night Attire and Mr Tyndall. 
Yeah, very, very impressive win there by Torchbearer. Ran some time too, 110 and change. It was the story of the day, though, with four the first four races, in fact, going to Darwin trainer Philip Cole and Matty Gray combining. Uh, but in the open race there, Maxi, Torchbearer, he just really annoyed Tango Rain for the majority of the race. And when it was time to let down, the 11.5 kilos was too much. Yeah, I really feel sorry for the connections of Tango Rain here because now they're in that position where, although, yes, they've, they've had a very successful horse for, you know, uh, quite a long time now, what do you do with him? Because, I mean, he's going to be carrying these sort of weights unless you can find um, set weights or qualities, and there isn't a lot of them going around. And then similarly, if you go... Across the coast to the provincials at Townsville, he's still going to be lumping a huge weight because, unfortunately, we don't have different handicapping systems for the country and for provincials. So, full credit, obviously, to Philip Cole and Matty Gray for getting uh, Torchbearer up, but it, it certainly uh, raises, uh, I suppose, some concerns there on, on, you know, the handicapping system again. But, yeah, it was definitely uh, a great reward to go fourth and fourth for um, Philip Cole and Matty Gray. Let's go back to where it all began. Race one, the Beat the Heat benchmark 45 over the 1,000 metres. The market got them down to two. Forgotten Bow went round favourite after that dominant maiden win at Mount Isa. But it was the first of four for Philip Cole and Matty Gray with Faith and Love. One of those well-named horses by Holy Roman Emperor out of church on Sunday. It really dropped them and pulled away the last little bit. Over Forgotten Bow, the margin seven and three quarters and another three back to Hologram in third. But uh, Matty Gray, Brooke, he's been a little bit quiet of late, but uh, when he's on song, he's certainly uh, one of the best around the country circuit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He has been uh, missing in action for a little while, sort of around our region, but he's uh, popped up again and he's popped up with a few winners, and I think that's something um, he's pretty good at. He normally finds a stable and um, is is on all of the horses and does a good job too. So, yeah, all the credit to him. And it's, uh, yeah, good to see that trainer pop over and um, get so many winners. What an effort. Pop over this quite 1,600 days up the road. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the winner of race two, I tell you what, Maxie, wow, didn't this horse look good? He looked outstanding in the yard blacks. He was the second leg of Colin Gray's double in the maiden. Defeated Monica Room three and three quarter lengths and uh, further four and a quarter back to my boy Sooty. But looks told the tale here with blacks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we've seen that the, the maidens in the country at the moment, you know, they're without any, I suppose, um, any disrespect, they're not overly strong. So bringing those little different bits of form lines can often uh, probably be that little point of difference. And, and that was the case here with uh, Philip Cole and Black. In race three, the third leg of that running treble was Stroke of Magic. Uh, again, Cole and Gray combined there. Two and a half lengths over Christmas Creek, Dan and Denise Ballard, and Costa Royal in third. But uh, Philip Cole, uh, Brooke, have you ever had much to do with him in your travels? No, I haven't, to be honest, and I, I haven't rode at Darwin before either. So I was wondering um, actually what the surface is like um, from Darwin to Cloncurry because, yeah, it was a big, a big trip like that uh, um, under the horse's belt and a different surface and things like that's a fantastic effort to get so many winners. Over to the second last there, which was race five over the 1,400, a benchmark 55. And Empire Games, uh, who to me looked well and truly overs at the $4, uh, got the cash. It was a last stride win for Damien Finter and Dan Ballard over Zagatova. Uh, Jay Morris said she's making...
make a little bit of a habit of this, getting beaten on the line. <laughs> Rick McMahon there in the saddle. And Mr. Hazy, who bombed the start and uh, just peaked on its run 100 out when it looked like the winner, wound up in third for Philip Cole and Matty Gray. But Empire Games, Maxi, I hark you back to that run at Townsville. Uh, no disrespect again to any of these runners, but I don't think uh, any of these would have performed like that on the tabs. And I don't know whether this horse is a man Isa horse either. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay probably to win that. That class B, um, but going up in grade after that, it, it's certainly a lot harder, um, especially if you, your pattern is to probably get back a little bit more. So all I had to do was run up to that Townsville run and it was always going to be competitive here, and that was the case. Dukes County won the last four husband and wife team, legendary team at that, Denise and Keith Ballard. Uh, stalked the pace set by Snippy Strategic and Grand Symphony and uh, just had too much in the Locker to beat Grand Symphony in the run to line. Snippy Strategic and Almighty Gold dead heated for third. But uh, Brooke, that name, Ballard, uh, you can follow them with confidence anywhere around the northwest, actually anywhere around country racing, to be honest. Yes, they always uh, do well together, and I think they make a great team. So it's nice to see Keith uh, riding a winner for the wife. You know, happy wife, happy life is what they say. <laughs> so <laughs> I think he'll be in the good book. Okay, that wraps up uh, Cloncurry. Maxi, obviously, they've got their big tab day coming up in early October. Uh, is there one you like there? There, oh, It's probably hard to get that form lines again, just going back to Cloncurry, but it'll be interesting to see if Philip Cole comes back across for that tab day. I mean, we talk about his runners on the weekend between Cloncurry and Darwin. He had 17 runners for six winners and four minor placings, <laughs> so the stable's um, certainly on fire, and he, he may have his eye on uh, making the trip across again for that tab meeting. Ilfracombe are one of those lucky clubs that picked up uh, one of the River Circuit meetings. This is where Baduri would often sit. And the 1,400-metre feature was race seven on the card. And here's the closing stages with Rob Luck. Is scrubbed off but starting to tack on. It's going to be an exciting race to the finish as Burden comes into the home straight. Heroism's drifting back. I want to be a Jeep. Bris Vegas, that song looking for a run. Burden is shot clear. Burden about a length and a half. Bris Vegas chasing hard. But Burden, he loves these distances of late and he's gone home to win by two lengths on Bris Vegas, I think, into a photo. Back in behind him, Heroism. That song rushed in the last 50 metres and in a photo with I want to be a Jeep. That was race seven there at Ilfracombe and Burden capped off a really good day for Clinton Austin. He's having a season to remember, uh, winning a little earlier on in the program with same old story. We'll get to that shortly. But talking to Rob Luck, um, the godfather as we know him here in the Central West, Max, he tipped me, Burden, as his Longreach Cup horse. Oh, there you go. It's, um, oh, I think it's probably certainly a live bet, isn't it? Because the, the staying ranks, uh, I suppose the middle distance ranks um, in Central West are certainly lacking of the moment, as was evident in the mile race at Bar Calden um, last weekend. Uh, you can run a mile and, you know, you, you look through that field. I can't see too many of them going to be going that direction either. So it's only got to beat what's going to be there, but it's uh, certainly pays to follow a mare in form and uh, oh, well, sorry, gelding in form in this case and uh, that's certainly the case there. Let's go back all the way to race one. It was a big seven event card there and the Gav Groves Plumbing Maiden was the first over the thousand metres and Missy M was a good win for Brendan Richardson and Dakota Graham. Two and a half lengths over my fixation and improving but uh, Missy M a good winner there for your dad Brooke. Yeah it was. Well, she won pretty nicely and um even apart from all the mishaps, poor Dakota um, was a little bit unwell that day and he hasn't done a full lap of the track before the race, actually, and um, the ambulance pulled her over. And But, look, it all worked out well in the end and um, 
yeah, the horse won nicely, so it's good to see uh, Dad get a winner, and it's nice to see Dakota get one too. Cutest benchmark 55 over the 1,000 was race two, and Tan Din uh, got the cash for David Rewalt and Alicia Ross, first leg of their winning double. Defeated Asprey Park by a length and a quarter for Boy Foster and Timmy Brummel and Coupe de Ville in third for Clinton Austin and Benny Moffat. A good win for Tan Din. That was its fourth win, all of being cutest, but a sad um, ending to that race, Maxie. Yeah, I think it's a pretty be- a bittersweet ending there for uh, the connections. I know uh, Dan Pittman actually said to me um, that he thought that this horse was going to go to that 1,000 metres at Ilfracombe. Uh, he said Dave was going to take it that way and uh, trying to chase up more cutest money again. Obviously, uh, was able to secure that cutest money there, but uh, unfortunately broke down um, just going past the post. So uh, I think that's a real shame. This horse looked like she had a lot of potential and I thought might have been uh, one of the big players on the circuit next year. Second uh, division of that split race, 55 over 1,000, went the way of same old story. The cutest money went off for Clinton Austin and Jason Misson. Good finish, though. Uh, defeated Oliphants for David Ruel and Brooke Richardson and God's Penny in third, Patrick O'Toole and Alicia Ross beaten some four and three quarters. But same old story around this 55 grade. Brooke is very, very uh, competitive. And Oliphants was a good run, too. You're, you're right. Yeah, same old story. I think, like like you've stated in those um, benchmark races, is very competitive and um, yeah, Oliphant was only narrowly defeated. Um, this horse is his own worst enemy. He's sort of a bit of a gawker and looks around and he sort of loses focus. So um, we're a little bit unlucky in the early stages of the race. Uh, but yeah, look, I'm, I'm pretty happy with his efforts. He's definitely improving, I reckon, off each run. Stay with you for race four, Brooke. And uh, you got back in the winner's circle on fully maxed. Um, third run in three weeks for Todd Austin and Brooke Richardson and did enough to beat Zillator who flashed up along the rails for David Rewalt and Alicia Ross Angels of Fenway back in third Clinton Austin, Jason Mission not often you see the margin a nose by a nose it was only two and three quarter lengths covering the first five but uh, fully maxed he got the beak out where it counted Brooke Yeah he surely did, he extended at just the right time we were pretty lucky, had a nice run um, early in the piece, he got him on the jump and, and hit the front and uh, there was a couple that took him on and and tested his ability but um, yeah he kept pushing through and he stuck his nose out in front when it counted so couldn't be happier with his efforts especially with um, carrying a bit of weight Race 5 sponsored by Hode Carpentry a Class B 1200 now Maxi Hode Carpentry Trent Hode the gun re-stumper in the West there you go. Yeah, just a bit of trivia. If anyone needs a house for stump, get on to Hode Carpentry. Empire Prince was the second leg of David Rewald and Alicia Ross's double. Beat Juan Capilano a nose. Boy Foster, Timmy Brummel and Kenny Skate in third. A much better run for that horse. Clint Austin and Emma Bell. Again, only half length covering the first three, Maxie. Yeah, I think uh, the Pittman family are pretty happy with this purchase. Uh Two starts for two wins since entering the stable, and uh, this is another one of those cutest horses. So uh, watch out for Dave trying to place uh, place this one appropriately again as well. Over to the sixth, and Yule, my hero, has made it a bang-bang winning start to its Western career, coming out of the South Australian form, which, Maxie, I find I usually have queried that kind of form, but uh, this wasn't a bad win. Uh, Todd Austin, the second leg of Brooke Richardson's winning double. No refund in second, and Kalmar third. Yeah, I was the same. We have seen that South Australian form, especially the Murray Bridge form, uh, often go, go astray when it comes out here, but... I mean, this horse clearly had ability uh, once upon a time because you, you go back through its form and 
you know, there, there's form in there behind um, some some group placed horses. So um, I'm not saying it's going to run up to that now. It's out here in the bush, but it did beat home Bo Rossa once upon a time, and we know that's a Group One winner. So definitely got some potential, and and obviously placed right now by Todd Austin. It's uh, going to keep excelling. And Brooks uh, Class. One straight up to a 65. Do you give you a good feel? Yeah, look, it's actually a really funny story with him um, doing his trap, track gallops and stuff. He honestly doesn't feel amazing. Um, <laughs> I'd seen his previous form way back when, like um, Max had pointed out, in group company. And I you know, wasn't too certain with him because he's a real lazy bugger. Um, but his win impressed me there at Barcaulden and then um, his gallops actually improved a little after that so I think a little bit of confidence gave him a kick along and um, yeah he raced really keenly and nice and strong on the bit and he was running right through the line so yeah I can only see this horse improving from here possibly. Often hard to pick uh, Black Booker from Ilfraco and Maxi but uh, did one stand out? Yeah, I think you're right. It is hard to tr- probably see that form translate to other tracks with uh, the sharp turn, the short straight, and maybe just a bit of a different track. But Zillator, after missing the start, absolutely flying home. Uh, we might see this mare in for a good prep. It was this time of year last year that she actually strung a few together and, and, and um, on some of those... Uh, I suppose, shiftier surfaces. So uh, maybe one to watch as we're heading towards something like Jundah. Now, Max, you came up with a, a new concept before we go to Morven today. Um, I was supposed to pick it up in the intro, but uh, I oversaw it for an obscure fact. Now, tell us a bit about what you're thinking there before we go to Morven. Well, I thought we, we've, we've probably covered a lot of topics, haven't we, in terms yeah. of introduction. So why not something a little bit more obscure, an obscure fact, something yep. to keep the listeners on their toes and turn up to maybe work the next day and say, did you know? Well, so-and-so. I'm going to jump in first. Now, this comes out of America. Yep. It's a baseball fact. Uh, the rule is the baseball umpires are required to wear black underwear. Why? Does it say why? Well, the rule was established so that umpires would not be ashamed if their pants ever split. <laughs> this is a requirement set up by the Major League Baseball group. Now, I often used to wear yellow undies. Uh, cricket, that was my um, Did you have you know, one good lucky luck charm. But yeah, until they wore out and I sort of grew out of them. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I kept that going for a little while, but uh, that's, a, that's, that's an obscure fact. Yeah, okay. Was that, well, might use that one on local radio tomorrow too. <laughs> My uh, obscure fact uh, was actually the uh, surrounding the invention of the sandwich. So, oh, I love food. The Earl of Sandwich, John Montagu, who lived in the 1700s, reportedly invented a sandwich so he wouldn't have to get up and leave his gambling table to eat. So he could obviously eat something with his hands, obviously very easy while he was gambling. He didn't have to go up for a sit-down lunch. So that, that's my obscure fact. And, and thank you very much to the Earl of Sandwich for providing easy eating options for all of us out there. And I'll tell you, anything can go in bread. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Absolutely. You can have a sandwich. Chicken parmy sandwich. That's Martin, You might be able to take up in the off-season, um, Brookie. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> What have you got for us? I just went with, like, um, interesting ones. I probably went with, like, one of the stupidest ones I came across. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who took the time to investigate this or get the percentages. It's very different. It's regarding animals and the Antarctic. Ooh. 
Apparently, nearly 3% of the ice in the Antarctic glaciers is penguin urine. <laughs> so don't go looking icicles, people, if you go to the Antarctic. <laughs> well, they always say don't eat yellow snow. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know who thought, I'm going to go out there and test this um, and find out how much of it's actually penguin pee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Morven Cup was the feature race there on Saturday. Uh, the favourite going into the race was another plan for Gary Bignall. Here's Peter Flynn with the closing stages. By Reach for Heaven, closing on the outside. About two back to another plan and a long gap back to adversary. In the straight, splits in front, has got a kick. Trommel Shagan out after it and Little Rodge getting to the outside. Splits in front, Trommel Shagan, Little Rodge and getting through in the centre. Another plan running on, Little Rodge, another plan, Little Rodge. Wins a half link to another plan and a half to splits, followed by Reach for Heaven. Adversary back towards the tail of the field. With oh, there he was, the enigmatic Little Rog poking out the bib when it counted for Craig Smith and Johnny Rudd. Um, that was the second leg of Ruddy's double on the day. Defeated the favourite, another plan, uh, who looks right up to the mark for a long reach cup in a couple of weeks. And Maxie, good to see splits um, running a, a bit better of a race. Yeah, it was. Obviously, Splits is a bit of an enigmatic galloper. We, we've probably seen a lot of his best form at tracks like uh, Charleville and, and Roma. So a uh, little bit of a gap between runs and uh, was much better on this occasion. But uh, I was holding a ticket on little Roger Bark Alden, so I'm actually a little bit dirty that he got up. Yeah, <laughs> same. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, it, it's great to see Smithy fifth up now, a little bit of luck and uh, gets the win. Let's get through these. Uh, race one on the card was a benchmark 65 over the 1,000 metres and Tour Master was a one-act affair for William Pugsley and Anna Bacos. Two and a quarter lengths of minting margin over Old Town Road for Raymond Fraser and uh, Corinne Miles and Dasani Magic for Shane Iverson and Pete Bradford in third. But Tour Master uh, called it a Cunnamulla when it was first up for William Pugsley. Shows uh, extremely uh, good turn of foot. And third up, I think, over the 1,000 was ready to win. Uh, but again, Brooke, uh, and trainer does a pretty good strike rates, William Pugsley. They always turn up and perform pretty well. Yeah, I think you'll find he always um, turns up with a new horse and they've always got ability. I think he has a really quick turn over time too. It doesn't usually take him very long to win a race with one. And um, yeah, this horse has been in form over the last few starts, probably the last five or so. So yeah, no surprise that it got up um, for the win there at all. Les Baker has a knack of uh, taking horses off his old mate Mark Johnson and and getting a couple of wins out of them. I, I, Les paid you me for that. You can imagine the banter between oh, them, I tell you. Well, they reckon as long as Jono's awake at work, he spends a lot of time sleeping. <laughs> but Les would be prodding him going, how'd Skull go on the weekend? But anyway, Skull got the cash for Les Baker and Mick Shrapnel. Uh, a nose to spare over King Coney and Raymond Fraser for... Uh, Corinne Miles in the saddle and Stralex for Johnny Patterson and Pete Bradford in third. But Skold obtained from a good win there at Jundra a couple of weeks ago, Max. Yeah, he did. Uh, he's a horse with uh, plenty of speed and um, likes to get out and run. So uh, Les has obviously found the trick to him here and, uh, yeah, got two on the trot now. And, um, unfortunately, that this Morven meeting was probably marred a little bit by the uh, the failure of the barriers in three of the races. Mm. So, yeah, uh, maybe watch for Braddock down to uh, obviously improve there again, obviously declared a non-runner.
Well, that, 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 that leads the next one, a bit of an omen winner, wasn't it? Keurig. <laughs> for, for Beck Kerwin, because they got their work cut out there at Morven. Uh, it's by Tycoon Ruler out of Sweet Integrity, if anyone was worrying about the breeding. I don't know about the sweet, but anyway. Uh, Kirik got the cash for Beck Kerwin and Johnny Rudd. That was first leg of Ruddy's winning double. Uh, length over Rip Over, who's really ready to win for Greg Pegg and Mick Strappel. Six away, lengths away, you don't mind. To my chin in third for Carmel Baker and Ross Tilly. But Kirik, uh, Beck Kerwin, uh, she's very good with a horse, uh, Brooke, and uh, you've had a fair bit to do with her over time. Yeah, I think Beck's a um, great person, and so is Benny. He trains as well, her partner, so you can imagine that household. It'd be um, a bit, bit tense at times. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, Beck was a jockey in her pastime, and um, obviously she knows her horse as well, and from experience of riding it, it probably helps understand the race a bit better. And, yeah, it's really nice to see her getting a couple of handy horses in. Johnny Rudd, he's um, riding for them Roma trainers. He's actually getting a few winners at the moment. He's doing really well. He certainly is, Ruddy. Uh, always good to see him in the winner's circle, one of the good guys. Race four, Starzana won for Pat Richardson and Mick Shrapel. Uh, that was the second leg of a double for Shrapel. He's been riding well also at the moment. Big winner. Five lengths over prototype for Gary Bignall and Ross Tillian. Just fabulous for Les Baker, Shane McGovern. Oh, Shane's back in the saddle. He's been going all right too. He won one at Emerald last Monday. But uh, Starzena, a good win there, Max. Um, I know there was a confident tip going around for him in the strike point race at Barky where things didn't go his way, but back to Morven and a uh, good win. Yeah, and it's, it's probably dropping him back to an easier race as well. Obviously not running into likes of strike point Zebanay. Uh Kettlestone. So two from his last five, uh, two from her last five, apologies, and uh, certainly going extremely well there for Pat. Race six was taken out by Jerry Zander, uh, trained by Brendan Richardson, Gemma Steele uh, in the saddle. It was a good, solid win over the 1800. Two and three quarter lengths was the margin. Over Maximum Hustle now with Wayne Baker for Shane McGovern and uh, three lengths further back to Addy Aff in third for Craig Smith and John Rudd. Brooke, I'll take you back to Jerry Zander's first up run at uh, Tambo. I think it was over the 1,100 metres where it was the eye-catcher of all eye-catchers. Uh, it's almost like it chimed in at the 100 metres, stormed home, and things haven't really panned out since then, but uh, he's got out to his trip here and too good. Yeah, this horse, he's, he's had a few roadblocks along the way, just a few racing incidents. Sometimes you just have no luck, and, and that's just racing, unfortunately. But, yeah, look, think back out to the 1,800 metres, and I think you'll find if you go back through this horse's form, um, he's really competitive at this distance so I just think a combination of things, going back to maybe a bit of a different riding pattern, letting him get back and settle and find his feet over the um, longer trip really suited him. And then he had that explosive finish like we all know he has. Um, he just hasn't really been able to have the opportunity to show it off yet. So, yeah, it was fantastic to see him uh, win like that. It was well-deserved. Maxie, something to follow from Morven? Yeah, I, I agree if you have another plan. I think it looks prime for a... Um a long reach cup tilt especially as we said we're probably looking to see where those horses are going to be coming from so yeah definitely uh, on the on the path of that today's topic max yeah to, i thought we'd uh, actually change it up a little bit so no top five uh, after our break uh, what we're going to do now instead is maybe look at an eye-catching moment from the weekend of racing so it could be from anywhere in uh 
Australia. So uh, whether it's, uh, you know, an impressive win, uh, maybe an impressive story, and, and I'll kick us off. And I'm going to talk about Incentivize. Now, yep. this horse uh, probably had a few knockers. Everyone kept saying, you know, it's beating nothing, uh, only winning Winter Queensland Carnivals and made the made the uh, stable change from um, Steve Tregay, picked up by the um, massive ownership team down there, Embrace Sikolsky and... Uh, now with Peter Moody and came out, raced against the pattern and, and won a Maccabi Diva Stakes uh, for uh, the new connections as well as Pete Moody. So what it led me to think about was past Queenslanders that have, have transferred down to the south and, and obviously performed well and flopped. And one of the most recent ones I thought about was F Troop with the big flop when he moved mm. down south. But there's also been uh, plenty of good performers as well, hasn't there? Yeah, over the years, I think, especially the early time of spring when you're taking that residual Queensland winter down there, um, and how many of them won on Saturday? Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and I think more than ever now that it's a thing, um, wintering your horses in Brisbane, getting the better weather into them, getting the fitness into them. I mean, it, that's now. I mean, you don't win Melbourne Cups necessarily in September, but he, he's taking the right steps. Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup, oh, I think he's been good. But, yeah, to answer your question over the years, we've seen Buffering go down there and be competitive. The Booms go yep. down there and be competitive. Yep. Um, oh, there's there's a long list of them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what about you, Brooke? Have you got an eye-catching moment from the weekend? I'm a little boring, and I stuck with our own region and our trainers and our horses. And I think you mentioned it earlier when we were going back through um, our racing reviews from the weekend and Zillator's run. I just think that this horse has a lot of ability um, and we just haven't seen the best of it yet, to be honest. If you go back and watch the replay, um, unfortunately, at the start, credit to Emma Bell, too, her saddle, saddle slipped and... Um, the horse began to pig root, so she done well to stay on, and that interfered with uh, Zillator's run, who ended up, oh, I couldn't tell you how many lengths off the leader. I'd, I'd say, say at least that, 12. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he was like six lengths last or something, but from the leader to him, it'd have to be even further. Um, and to just absolutely motor home like that on a tight turning hard track that it's not a very long straight, um, I found it really impressive. So, you know, all things aside, a better barrier draw um, and no interference in the run, I'd really like to see how competitive this horse will be. I've got an interesting one, and I'm going to Cairns for mine in the Amateurs Cup, and a horse by the name of Bullion Wolf, who won the Cup. Uh, he's a good little winner for Mr. Watson. I was going to say, speaking for his pocket here. <laughs> but it, it, it led me to go back through the horse's form. Now, this traditionally was a sprinter. Now, it wasn't until last year in November. Now, he's eight now, so he would have been seven. They hadn't tried him out to the mile till he was seven. Significantly, they go further, and he runs uh, third last starting cans over the 2,100. That's jumping from 1,400, and then wins the cup over 2,100. Now, you don't often see a horse that starts their career as a genuine dead-set sprinter to get out to middle distance like that, Maxi. You don't, and... When you said that, that all of a sudden perked in my mind. I actually remember when he first entered Townsville and he was, he was, he was a sprinter and they're talking about him as like, he was going to be one of the next up and comers. He was winning a couple of open sprints, was placing, you know, in, in just about everything. Um, but yeah, that is very interesting. It's, um, he got primed for it, I suppose, with a couple of races over the mile at the end of last preparation, but stepping up to 2100 seems to have uh, been an absolute masterstroke. And Les Gordy's the trainer. Now I follow Les a little bit. Uh, he doesn't have a big team, 
these horses are always a longish price and they always give you a sight. And I'm just looking here at his um, last 50. He's trained a couple of winners at around the sevens, 21s, dollar quote. But a lot, a lot of the time, they're not beaten far as $31 shots and 31. So Les Gordy's one to follow. And the third part of that story is Corey Bayless, who's uh, rode the winner, uh, been out of sorts for some time. He's only had 50 rides since uh, September last year, where he actually rode for Patrick O'Toole at Emerald. So, um, yeah, just just a bit of a, an interesting story coming out of the Cairns Amateurs. Brooke, have you ever got up to the Amateurs in Cairns? No, I actually haven't. Uh, I haven't sort of travelled that way, uh, to be honest. But, yeah, kind of what I was going to comment on, you've covered anyway. I was about to mention uh, it's a little bit of a story, that win going back through that horse's form, like you said, the smaller trainer, and not to mention Corey Bayless, who had been off the scene for quite some time to... Um, pop over there and, and get a win. So, yeah, it's a pretty good story, really, once you um, put all the pieces together. And, Maxie, um, time to wrap it up with tonight's uh, talking point. Yeah, well, obviously, Racing Queensland have come out now and announced uh, all the uh, the terms and conditions and the briefs of the Country Cup Series as well as the Country Stampede Series. Uh, they'll be kicking off uh, next weekend, I believe it is, with uh, Ewan and Longridge. Is that right? Yeah, and uh, Mount Isa Spring Cup. And Mount Isa Spring Cup. And uh, we see that the Country Cup's prize money has stayed the same this year. Uh, it's still an overall prize money of 105000 despite the Battle of the Bush obviously being in increased to 200,000 earlier in the year but we see the country stampede go up a little bit in prize money as well and you know I think we're all you know greatly appreciative of um of you know these initiatives that Racing Queensland have provided but it led me led me to sort of question uh and I suppose it is something that is rampant throughout racing in in Australia is that we probably focus a lot on the sprinters and we do um neglect the the stayers so to speak um across um you know whether it be breeding or whether it be uh you know the the group races and mm. i think this is another an example of that here with with the prize money in the country cup staying the same and i think obviously we're seriously lacking mile horses out here in the west and this is certainly not something that's going to encourage people to buy them if the prize money is not going to increase yeah look and and with these series is so much in their infancy i think we can pick apart it uh, at quite, you know, at a lot of the different angles. Firstly, I'd like to say the Stampede for 27.5. I doubt you'll get too many horses travelling for that because when you add the costs up of what it's going to cost to get there, uh, 27.5 really, you're going to do that in, in travel and stabling and feed and everything on the way down there. So unless you just want to go and have a week on, weekend on the grog on <laughs> on that day and just get amongst it, which I know like my good friend KB O'Brien would probably be there. He'd go there for $2.75. But um, I don't think that would be enough to draw your northwest horses, far north horses, central west horses, viable vi- like viability to get them there. Uh, I think the other point is the Country Cup's challenge it's 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 set up funny too, isn't it? Because you you you're a miler qualifying on the 25th of September for a final on the 6th of December. What do you do? And there's a lot of 1400 meter races as yeah. well that we see. You know, a lot of sprinters take out. It's yeah. yeah it's um, the the qualifying period is far too wide. And I understand I understand um, you know the the logic behind it and and you know the the romance and getting all the cup winners down there. But I, I just the concept's okay, but the qualifying criteria is wrong, and it doesn't lead to you getting your best field down there. Um, you know, because if we're peaked for a, a long reach cup with a horse, it's not going to be peaking again in December. And I suppose another interesting thing to come out of it as well is that we've done away with set weights races mm. for the the qualifiers. They're all either handicaps now or qualities. Yeah. Um, 
What about you, Brooke? Have you had a chance to have a look at that one? And um, yes, it's obviously going to be going to be uh, very interesting to see how this all pans out, um, especially you know the set weights and the being uh, I suppose put to the wayside and and the qualities and handicaps being put to the put to the front. Yeah, look, I haven't had a chance to go through every little detail yet. I'm sort of just having a squeeze over it now as we speak. Um, but, yeah, I find it hard to comment on because I feel like sometimes from um, a jockey's point of view or if you say too much or say too less, you can often be uh, be judged on these things a little harshly. But, um, yeah, look, I, I do think um, some of the programming... Um, can be a little odd, the distances, as you've pointed out, and how long horses need to be up for and the travel and all that sort of thing. There's a lot of key factors that indicate um, there could be things that could be poked and prodded and changed a little to um, benefit, like you said, people travelling from further for the prize money and all that sort of thing. Um, But, yeah, I think, I don't know, sometimes these things have to be um, trialled and you have to just take what you're given at the start and have a go and and see what comes of it. Who knows, maybe down the track they might look at um, changing things a little if it's not working. Um, I'm not sure if they will, but, yeah, I think it's one of those things you don't know till you try, I guess. Yeah, certainly uh, a work in progress, that's for sure. Uh, Maxie, we'll wrap things up there uh, for tonight. Great to be back, I've got to say. Um, we're all fresh and ready to rumble for the back end of the year and follow these country cups all the way through. Uh, country racing this weekend goes to Athen and Dolby on the tab. Gympie, Mackay, Springshaw and Whitney. Are you heading anywhere, Maxie? Uh, not at this stage. Uh, we'll be staying at home. What about you, Brooke? How are things uh, per- transpiring there? Look, I'm not. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> I could possibly be serving a suspension, and if that's the case, um, I'll be hitting up Ballinity Rodeo. So <laughs> I'll be going to a different kind of equine. <laughs> I'll tell you what. And what a night they've got over there in Aramac. That's your local town now, Brooke. But uh, and Mother's <laughs> Second Choice playing as well. So it'd be a great night at Ballinity Rodeo. I did the ad yeah, for look, it. If I'm not riding winners, I'll be. Um, Cutting a rug on the dance floor, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll be heading to Springshaw there for Cup Day. It'd be interesting to get uh, over to the uh, Capricornia region, and uh, no doubt there'll be uh, plenty of familiar faces there. That's enough on the tick off, isn't it? Yeah, I think number 25 now. Number 25, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, rolling through them. But uh, big thanks to you, Brooke, for your time tonight. Thank you. It's always yeah. nice. Max, thanks, Andrew. What's signing out? Have a, a great week. All the best uh, over the weekend, wherever you're racing, and we'll catch you again next Tuesday night. 